Are you in Habakkuk chapter 1? We've studied the book of Amos, we've studied the book of Micah, and now we're going to be for the next three Sundays in the book of Habakkuk. But let's look at Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. What an appropriate passage for the day of prayer Sunday. Habakkuk 1, 2 to 4. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. The book of Habakkuk begins with complaints that I think do a pretty good job at capturing that next layer of honesty and vulnerability that all of us probably have here this morning, that layer of grief and resentment and frustration with the ways of God in this world and things that many of us feel and things that the day of prayer for the persecuted church tends to stir up. When we begin to think of our brothers and sisters in their situation, we say with Habakkuk, how long? Look at all the violence. Look at the iniquity. Look at the wrong. As we walk through these, just these three verses, we destruction, violence, strife, contention, judicial failures, injustice is stalled, and wickedness seems to be more effective so that justice goes forth as injustice. That's what our brothers and sisters are experiencing. That's what we see happening in the world. That's what some of us have even experienced ourselves. Habakkuk 1 is a very appropriate passage for this morning. Let me just give you a brief bit of context for Habakkuk because I think it will even increase our sense of resonance with what's going on here in this book. Habakkuk was written to people who were in a very fragile geopolitical moment. So up until this point, through the books of Amos and Micah, the Assyrians were the great empire of the, of the region. They were the greatest empire in the planet at, this, at that time. But right now, while Habakkuk's writing, Babylon is getting stronger and stronger. So there's more military excursions, more battles between Babylon and Assyria, between all the Assyrian holdings that Babylon now wants. And then there's a third player to the south of Israel, so both of those are to the north. And then the kingdom of Egypt, which is sort of separated by some land, but, but now that is coming under Babylon's uh, sort of target as well. So all around little tiny Judah, Israel's already been destroyed by Assyria. So now all there is is this little two, three, three and a half tribe coalition of God's people called Judah. Very small, very weak, very powerless. They're feeling extremely fragile. The people of God there are feeling extremely fragile. And, and what Habakkuk is talking about here is the injustice being done in Judah. So you've got this super small nation that's like nobody, nobody's on the bigger world stage. And then inside of Judah, the faithful are a much smaller group, feeling so much more powerless, so much more lonely, feeling like, and this is the question Habakkuk is raising and addressing for their sake, they're feeling like, honestly, what is the point of faith? Why are we going through this weekly sure? Sharad, right? If, if we're, we could end up in prison too. Well, what is the point of this? What are we doing? 
We're the minority in Judah, and Judah is like nothing on the world stage. And so Habakkuk's complaints here in chapter 1, these first three verses, and then, and then also in verse 12, you can see kind of a second complaint, a section of complaining. These complaints are very natural, and they really reflect how all of the faithful in Judah were feeling. But now I want you to turn to the, to the very end of the book of Habakkuk, to Habakkuk chapter 3. Look with me at Habakkuk 3.17. So hold in your mind all of those complaints and all those frustrations, but now listen to Habakkuk. He says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will, what does it say? I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. The book of Habakkuk that begins with sorrow, anger, and fear ends with joy, strength, and song. How? How do we get from here to there? How do we, what is the path from sorrow, anger, and fear to joy, strength, and song? What is the path from fragility, where Habakkuk 1 begins, to flourishing, what Habakkuk 3 concludes with? And that's the message of the book of Habakkuk which we'll be walking through these next three Sundays. And we're going to look at the first two steps of that path this morning. And here's the first one. The first step is to know the freedom of God's covenant love. To know the freedom of God's covenant love. What, it means to, what does it mean to know freedom? So right, to, to, to know freedom is, is to, uh, to make use of that freedom, to test it, to explore it, to enjoy that freedom. Like... You know, you can't do that anymore. Well, okay, now I'm free. Can I do I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a lot of it, right? Like, I'm going to do it as much as I can. I'm going to go to the full extent of my freedom to really get to know the freedom that I've been given. So the first thing that Habakkuk gives us is this, to know the freedom of God's covenant love. Here's why this is important. Because most of us, many of us, most of us, all of us, struggle with hiding our true feelings from God. Are complaints okay? You know, when, when your kids are complaining, quit your complaining. Quit your complaining. Our parents told us that. We tell our children that, this wonderful legacy. Quit your complaining. And, and we imagine God saying, quit your complaining. Quit your complaining. Are complaints okay? And so we hide our true feelings because we want to protect God from our bad feelings. Because bad feelings in us feel like we're being faithless. But here's the thing, bad feelings are just part of our experience. Bad feelings are part of us. Bad feelings are part of us, and God wants all of us. He wants the whole thing. So actually what Habakkuk models here is that giving God our faithless feelings, how long? 
Why is this injustice happening? Giving God our faithless feelings is an act of faith. It's an act of faith. So the path that takes us from Habakkuk 1, 2 to 4 to Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19 begins with what uh, Scripture calls lament. Lament, which is honest complaints. Complaints are okay. God never will say to you, quit your complaining. They'll say, what was that? What do you mean? Let's talk about that. What's going on? And Habakkuk 1 models this for us. Habakkuk 1, we see Habakkuk's complaint and then the Lord's answer, beginning in verse 5, and then a second complaint of Habakkuk about the Lord's first answer in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 12. Habakkuk models a kind of a, a real conversation. How can you have a real conversation with God? Well, you can if you have a real relationship with God. Do we have a real relationship with God? Then we can have a real conversation with God. On what basis do we have a relationship with the God of the universe? The basis of our relationship is the covenant that he made with us. So how is Habakkuk able to have this kind of conversation and this kind of relationship? Because he believes the covenant. He believes the word that Scripture says about the kind of relationship that God has bound himself to for us. Habakkuk believes the word of the covenant. He believes what the Bible says about the relationship God has with his people. What kind of relationship does God have with us? What kind of relationship does God have with you? This, the, the Bible is very clear. He has a covenant, an eternal covenant bond with his people. Steadfast love, new mercies every day. Faithfulness now and forevermore. He will keep your life now and forevermore. This is the covenant that God has with us. And so this radical honesty that Habakkuk is modeling, that radical honesty is safe because of the covenant. Have you ever been in a relationship where you were honest, but it didn't end up being safe? That's, <laughs> that's a bad situation, isn't it? I've got a dear friend of mine who went to a, a new job and for the first year, he heard his boss saying, hey, man, I just want to grow. If anybody can see any ways that I can grow, you know, you should just tell me. Just tell me if you see anything I'm doing wrong. And so after a year, my friend says, well, maybe this, I don't know. Boom, bad move. <laughs> that has been weaponized against him, and now he's been fighting the last couple of years to figure out if he should stay there. Some relationships aren't safe, and they say, oh, be honest, be honest, be honest. And then it's used against you. God's covenant is true. His covenant is true, and so His covenant can, as it is intended to do, it can make us free. We are free to express with Habakkuk our complaints, our questions, our frustrations to God in prayer without fear. And that's Habakkuk's example with his understanding of God's covenant love. How much more clear, friends, if I can draw your attention up here to the communion elements now veiled, how much more clear is God's covenant love for us who have seen the extent to which God would go to forge it with us? And Jesus himself models this kind of covenant relationship. Do you remember right before he goes to the cross, he's in the garden, what does he say? God, if this, 
I don't want to do this, right? Let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your three times he goes back and forth. He has a real conversation with God about how he's really doing. Because why? Because he has a real relationship with God, his Father. And that's the relationship that we are brought into when Jesus says, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is a new covenant in my blood. We come to God now in absolute safety. We come to God in absolute safety. And when you know that a relationship is safe, that relationship can get stronger. In fact, I mean, think about strong relationships you have. What is it that makes that relationship strong? It's kind of the fact that it is safe. That's what makes it strong. The safety of the relationship and the strength of the relationship are kind of the same thing. Because of Jesus, my relationship with God, your relationship with God, if you have put your faith in Jesus, our relationship with God is absolutely safe. And when I know this, when I know the covenant of God, when I know this and I use it like Habakkuk is doing, then that relationship actually gets stronger. Habakkuk chapter 1, like the day of prayer for the persecuted church, stirs up questions about justice and fairness Questions that become complaints, that become frustration. And the first thing that Scripture gives us to help us wrestle with this is to say, hey, those are okay. That's what Habakkuk 1 is, is the Spirit saying, that's okay. In fact, that's good. That's good. Bring those things to God. These are the prayers of a person who believes the Gospel, who believes the covenant that we have with God in Jesus' name. Do our prayers sound like prayers of people who believe the gospel or the prayers of people who are trying to flatter somebody in power so we can get from them what we want? Are they the prayers of a real relationship or are they the prayers of some kind of performance that we're putting on? Sometimes I find I am reluctant to express my true heart to God. I'm not, maybe I'm just not really attentive to it. I'm not comfortable being honest about it. But I find that when I'm reluctant to express my true heart, it kind of, it it encourages resentment to flourish. Like when you've got a relationship and and maybe you've tried to be honest or you just don't know if you should be honest with them, uh, you begin to hold it against them. It's just like safety becomes strength. Uh, This reluctance becomes resentment and the relationship gets weaker. But when the relationship is safe, when we can be radically honest and not be afraid, well, then the relationship will grow strong. We can, I mean, so many places, Scripture says, ask anything. Ask anything. Pray everything. Ask anything. Pray everything. And we stand there and we say, well, you know, permission to speak freely, Lord. Jesus says, permission granted. Habakkuk models this. Permission granted. And before we move on to the second point, let me just ask you to reflect on this. When is the last time that you had a really honest conversation with God? That didn't didn't suffer a a long preamble of flowery religious language. Oh, sovereign Lord, we see thee in thy heavens. And, you know, you're not doing the whole thing. You just go right to God this. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know what. I'm, 
I, my life stinks, and I think it's all those people's fault, but I'm not sure, and I feel bad, and I want to talk to you about it. Get right to it. When's the last time you've done that? If never, I would encourage you to reflect on, on Habakkuk 1 and, and follow his example here. And then when we pray with that kind of freedom, what ends up happening is that we can, we can kind of, we find faith growing in us. We can rest in faith. Look with me at Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. We'll talk probably a little bit more about this next week, but Habakkuk 2, 4. One of the most quoted verses in the New Testament, believe it or not, it says in verse 4, Behold, uh, this person's soul is puffed up, it's not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Paul quotes this, the author of Hebrews quotes this, the righteous shall live by his faith. So the second step is to know the freedom we have in God's covenant, and the second step is to rest in faith in him. I love this. I love this encouragement for us. I love this as a reminder on the day of prayer for the persecuted church because the only way that we can live by faith is, is in the reality. Right? Faith only exists inside of a reality where you don't have what you want and you don't see what you want being done. Because if I had what I wanted and I, I, I saw what I wanted being done, I wouldn't need to trust God. There would be no dissonance there. I wouldn't need to wait. I wouldn't need to trust. I wouldn't need to rest in, in something I don't understand to happen, in some power that's not mine to, to work. I would just, I would have it. I would see it. It would be good, right? But we live in faith. Anybody who's honest after Genesis 3 recognizes we have to walk by faith with God. Sin entered the world and death through sin and shame and wickedness and injustice and we're not going to see it. We're not going to have it. The, the, the great promise of our country and, and Western civilization is you can see it, you can have it. You're not going to. We've got to walk, we've got to live by faith. And I love the way that he phrases this here, the, the righteous shall live by faith. Like, what's right to do? What's right to do? On the day of prayer for the persecuted church, every one of these requests, doesn't it stir up in with you something like, we need to get, we need to do something, we need to... We're praying about it, but let's, let's actually do something. And what this verse says is that what God deems right, first of all, is don't try to fix it. But trust what he is already at work doing. You know, the answer to the situation that Habakkuk is in, the answer to the situation that the day of prayer stirs up, is not, first, do something. The first answer is to trust God and entrust the situation to him, which is what we're doing as we pray. Trust God and entrust the situation to Him. Now, God tends to lead us to do things, but that faith and prayer connection is the most important thing to happen first because before God wants us to do something, He wants us to see something. He wants us to see Him. This is why one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 30, 15, the Lord says to His people, In returning and rest you shall be saved, but in quietness and trust shall be your strength. I'm going to give you strength. We're going to have to do some things. But first, return to me. Rest in who I am. Be quiet. Stop, stop talking. Stop thinking. Put your notebook away. And trust. And I'll give you strength for things, but first, here. You know, we're talking about honesty this morning. 
We talked about this before, right? Uh, how are you doing? Fine. How you doing? Eh. How you doing? Not good, right? We talked about the layers of how you doing. There's layers to like, what's the truth about you? What's the, what's the truer? What's the truest? And I think, that, uh, I think that our complaints lives at the level, at the second level, the, the truer level, but not the truest level. Because why Habakkuk is praying this to God, what, what Habakkuk is really saying is, God, I want to see you. All of our complaints that we direct to God are really our deepest heart saying, God, I want to see you. I want to see you. Can we rest in him? Can we trust him? This is what God wants us to, to be quiet before him so we can see. We can hear him and we can see him. And then we are called to live by faith. And we, we can live by faith now because we, we know God a little better. Because we have deeply connected with him in our deeply honest prayer. We've deeply connected with God because of our deeply honest prayer. Think about, uh, I mean, I'm going to go all the way to Paul in the New Testament, uh, a verse that some of you would be very familiar with. This is sort of like the Christian version of washing your mouth out with soap. Uh, for me, growing up, it was like, you know, um, be anxious about nothing. Remember this verse? He says, when you're anxious, interact with your anxieties this way. Uh, whatever you're anxious about, uh, bring it to God in prayer. In prayer, make your requests your complaints with thanksgiving known to God. And as you have that deep connection with God, the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You will have a, you, as you bring that deep heart complaint connection to God, you will experience God's presence in a different way. So we can live by faith. We can live by faith because we know God. Now I want to do something. I want to shift gears just a little bit here, but this is all still on the same track. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says to the Corinthian church, though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Right? We, we, we pray for the persecuted church and we think, oh, we need to write our congressperson. We need to Go do, we, we need to go do, our weapons are not of the flesh, they're this other thing. He says the same kind of thing to the Ephesian church. He says, we do not, it seems like Christians then and now need to be reminded that we do not approach our problems in the same way as the world. We do not, this is not. The real war that we're in is a war of faith, a war of trust. A war of reliance on the gospel, reliance on prayer or not. And the day of prayer for the persecuted church reminds us of this reality. Those brothers and sisters are, are in prison. They're being mistreated. Their families are broken. They're not fighting against those governmental agents. They recognize they're fighting for the sake of the gospel and for the glory of Jesus. And that is what is being fought against in their situation. Now, the experience of the international church is far worse than ours, but I want to honor the fact that we too have deep struggles and our struggles are struggles of faith as well. Habakkuk 1 is a, is a word to us just as, as much as it is to them. And it invites us to join them 
and not as uh, empathetic, benevolent Westerners pausing our busy, luxurious schedules to pray, but to, to join them as fellow sufferers. Do you struggle? Do you suffer? Do you have complaints? We do. And we too must live in ours by faith, just as they do. Just as Habakkuk had to, just as the early church of the book of Acts had to, just as the persecuted church today has to, and just like Jesus Christ had to. In just a moment, we're going to celebrate communion. How does the communion liturgy begin? Do you remember? On the night that He was betrayed. Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was alone. His body was broken and His blood was shed. He too prayed hard prayers and asked hard questions. And so we gather in His name to worship Him, but we also gather here to learn how to follow Him in our hard things, looking to our Father. And so Habakkuk is going to lead us this week and the next few on a path from sorrow and anger and grief and fear to joy and strength and song. And that path begins when we get to know the freedom of the covenant love that we have in Jesus Christ. The covenant that is here symbolized and we are asked to bring into and, and identify and define ourselves through. That we are the people who have been, who have been loved this much. We are the people who have been covenanted with by our God, our Lord and Savior. And so to know that freedom, let me encourage you, if not just now, sometime today, this week, explore the space of lament, lamentation. Be honest, complain, make full use of the gift of prayer, make full use of the gift of the covenant. And see if it doesn't lead you to rest a little bit more in Jesus. I think that Habakkuk 1, if, this was, if you were suffering what Judah was suffering, and then this is what you got from your prophet, I think this would be kind of a shocking, a shocking opening to this message. The prophet, who you're, you're trying to, you're, you want to hear something encouraging about God, and he begins to, to rail against God? How long? And issue these complaints? It's a shocking word for sufferers because you know what it's actually saying here? It's saying permission to speak freely. Granted. He's saying the covenant is true. The covenant is big enough. And the covenant really works. You can trust what God has said. You can trust what God has done. Here's a pair of verses from the New Testament that Say something very similar that I want to close with. 2 Thessalonians 3.5 May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. This is my prayer for, for all of us this morning. This is what Habakkuk's trying to do with his letter to those faithful in Judah. He's saying, I want to direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness, the covenant love of Jesus Christ. And it's so interesting Jude writes in Jude 1, 20 and 21, he says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, the righteous shall live by faith, 
and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves, direct your hearts to the covenant love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Habakkuk invites us to rest in the fullness of the covenant relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ. To rest in the fullness. What are you going to say that runs to the end of God's covenant love? Nothing. Rest in the fullness of the love of the covenant relationship we have with God in Christ. In which God, repeatedly in Scripture, invites us to ask anything, pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we believe Your Word. We believe what it says about Your love for us. But we don't believe it perfectly. We don't believe it absolutely. We worry. We wonder, how is it possible? We wonder, what if it's not? And that's why we love to come here and gather together. We love especially today as we get to gather around the the symbols of that love. How absolutely safe, how absolutely complete your love is for us. So help us to hear that again. Help us to believe it afresh. And Lord, whatever it is that we're carrying, whatever it is we're struggling with, wounds, pains, griefs, frustration with the way things are right now, or fears and anxieties and concerns about what might be, you welcome us to bring it to you. And Holy Spirit, would you work in our hearts and stir up those things that we might have a real conversation with the Lord because we are in such a real relationship with Him. And then Spirit, through that work, through that gift, help us to trust in You more. To trust in our Lord Jesus Christ and His love for us. Lord, we again remember our brothers and sisters across the globe who are who are not enjoying the comforts that we are enjoying here, the freedoms. But they share this same covenant freedom with You. And we pray that You would comfort them, that You would direct their hearts to Your steadfast love and Your covenant love for them. That You would give freedom to their prayers and that they, Lord, would, would meet You there. That You would meet them. Comfort them with Your presence. Strengthen them. Bring them into that place of joy and strength and song. And do that same work, we pray, in us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.